Romans chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse, um, let's go to verse 17. Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I just going to have to bow out already. I mean, it just <laughs> uh, didn't do the best job of that this, this week even. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. There is a place for vengeance, but it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. There is a place for wrath, but it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. And uh, today we want to, what's funny is at the top of Romans 12 and verse 9, when this section kind of starts, in my Bible it says, love in action. I don't know about yours, but it says love in action is a descriptor of what Paul is writing about. And I pray that our love would be a love that's not just something declared with our words, but we would put it into practice. And uh, I want to see that happen more and more for us as a church family and in our individual homes. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. You are an awesome God. And uh, we believe today that you are going to speak to us. You're going to challenge us. And we are going to leave this place uh, either changed or angry. One of the two. We're going to leave Matt at the preacher. And like Fred, we're going to want him to shut up today. Or we're going to, or we're going to leave here changed because we received your word. And so I'm praying that our ears would be open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would speak. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. I made a statement last week, and it just kind of has stuck with me all week, and I couldn't get off of it. I wanted to move on to a different sermon. I've actually for two weeks wanted to preach something different. I... A couple weeks ago when we had our vision night and we talked to the leaders and our team, everybody that serves here at Calvary about the next year, um, I shared a message with them called Less is More. And I've been wanting to preach that on Sunday uh, for a couple weeks since then, but I haven't had the opportunity to do that. Because um, I've been in this and I, I just can't seem to get away from it. And this thought just kept resonating in my spirit all week long. And I talked to you about how the magnitude of your calling uh, depends on your ability to handle offense, didn't I? I? I told you that your ability to deal with being offended is really going to determine how God can use you because the enemy's desire is to wound your heart because if he can wound your heart, he can disrupt the flow of your life. And last week we talked a, bit, a little bit about how that affects the way you give. Uh, I want to talk about, because I think giving is a part of loving, I want to talk this week a little bit more in depth about how that affects how you forgive uh, this part of you that wants to get people back. I shouldn't say this part of you, I should say this part of us that wants to get people back. My favorite kind of movie is a revenge movie. That's why they got four takens. You know what I'm talking about? That's why Liam Neeson still has a career. He's always getting revenge on somebody. I love every part of it. Um, because there's something in me that desires that. And, and I want to be the executor of vengeance. And I think what happens sometimes in the church is we have taken, we, we love God and we want to naturally, anyone you love, you want to defend. 
But God is very clear that he doesn't want us to take out any wrath or vengeance on people. He wants us to reserve that for him and his judgment because he is just in his justice. Can somebody say amen? Uh, And so we got to trust him with that. And so that part of us that wants to get back, we've got to less of us and more of him. And that's a really difficult thing to do. And I, I was I was thinking about this this week, and I heard this uh, story. I, I love to watch like National Geographic and all the channels about animals and all of that stuff. Um, and I, I love, in particular, you know, lions and stories about that. But this <laughs> this story cracked me up. I was I couldn't stop watching it, and I've done research on it all week long because it just fascinated me. But did you know that in, in New Zealand they have the most amount of flightless bird species in the world? Did you know this? I didn't until this past week. I had no idea. New Zealand has the most species of flightless birds in the world. And uh, the, the main reason that they have so many flightless birds is because up until about a thousand years ago, nobody lived in New Zealand. There were no people. And on top of that, there were very few, if any, land mammal predators. So these birds who were born to fly because there was no predator attacking them, they actually stopped flying. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? And, and on top of that, they didn't just, <coughs> they didn't just stop flying. They, <laughs> they got fat because there was so much food around because <laughs> nobody else was taking it. So now, now not only have, uh, do they not fly anymore, now they're fat. They didn't used to be fat. But now their whole species is fat. Now, now they, got, they used to have little bitty babies. Now they got big fat <laughs> babies. This is fascinating to me because this is what happens to us without pressure. And what some of you are looking for is a life without offenses. But if you have a life without offenses, you start to lose abilities that God gave you. And you get a little bit fat and lazy in the process. And I think that if we're not careful, we will not understand that what really actually causes us to rise to our fullest potential is not an easy life, but the difficulties of life. Because it takes a threat for us to rise to our fullest potential. And I wonder if right here at the beginning of the sermon, we could just go ahead and give God a praise for all of the threats, for all of the difficulty, for all of the struggles. Listen to me, I'm not saying what happened to you was God or what happened to you was good. I'm just telling you that you would never know what it feels like to reach your full potential without your greatest pain. And so if you're asking yourself, why do I have so much opposition? Why am I so criticized? It's because God wants you to go higher today. And I was thinking about a couple different things like the pilot. You know, pilots don't always see wind as opposition. Wind is actually beneficial when you're flying. The sailor doesn't always see wind as opposition. And sometimes when the storm refuses to stop in your life, remember we talked about this a few weeks ago. When the storm doesn't stop, you just have to outlast the storm. When it doesn't feel like it's going to end, it will end, but you don't have to end. It will quit eventually, but you don't have to quit. And some of us have quit before the storm quit, even though, even though we knew it was going to end, we just gave up in the middle of the process. And we have to learn how to master the wind. 
Remember when Jesus looked up and he said to the wind, he said, peace be still. Sometimes he doesn't say peace be still. Sometimes he lets you flip out on the boat for a little bit before he gets up out of his rest and says, peace be still. And you have to learn how to master the wind. The disciples, Jesus sent them across this lake one day and they get in the boat and they're trying to get across and Jesus is on top of a mountain and he looks out and they're struggling against the wind, the Bible says. But here comes Jesus just taking a stroll. The same thing that they can't get through, Jesus is just literally just taking a walk on. And sometimes it's, it's our inability to harness the power of the storm that causes us to stay still. This is good already. So I want to take you to a story in 2 Samuel chapter 10. I think this is going to help you today. 2 Samuel chapter 10. And I love, I love this story in the life of David. Uh, and I think it really helps us understand Romans chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says this. In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite commander said to Hanan, their Lord, he said, they said this, they said, do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David actually sent them to you only to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks and sent them away. When David was told about, I heard somebody laugh. <laughs> I guess it was the buttocks. I don't know. When David told them about this, he sent messengers to meet the men. For they were, listen, they were greatly humiliated. And the king said, stay at Jericho until your beards have grown and then come back. When the Ammonites realized they had become, I love this, obnoxious to David, they hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from Beth Rabo to Zobah, as well the king of Makkah with a thousand men and also 12,000 men from top. Listen to this. They realized they had ticked David off and they were in trouble. I love this story because it shows us a few things about what Romans 12 teaches us that vengeance belongs to the Lord and that when somebody does me harm, I don't repay them with harm. I actually do something completely different. First of all, we notice that this is a new king. And you got to be really careful when you step into something new. It's, it's when you face some of your greatest challenges and opposition. Uh, and when you step into something new, you have to be very careful about the voices you put in your life. I remember 10 years ago when we were taking over the leadership of the church and my dad asked me, he said, hey, do you want a whole new board of elders? Would you like to just bring in people that you're comfortable with and confident in? And I looked at him and I said, I don't think so. Um, I love my friends, but they're not battle tested the way your friends are battle tested. So I'm going to rock with these older dudes and uh, these guys that have ran around this place and fought battles for 25 plus years. We're going to roll together. And I've got some friends clearly on our leadership team and people my age. But what's been so special about that is these men who have been around with my father aren't afraid to tell me the truth. They're not afraid to speak in my life and call me out 
on things. That's really good. You should appreciate that. Because <laughs> I might not respond to your emails, but I have to respond to their emails. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might not care what you think, but I have to care what they think. You know what I mean? So it's been really healthy for me because they're able to challenge me and they don't speak to my insecurities. And uh, these people clearly have an insecure king and they're in an insecure place because it's new leadership. And, and in these days, the best time to attack was when something was brand new and the city wasn't fortified and the people weren't in unity and there wasn't a whole lot of surety about loyalty and things like that. And so the Bible says that they're just kind of on edge. And if, you're, if there's anybody to be nervous about, it's the greatest king on earth at the time, David. It's this guy. He, this guy who can kill lions and bears, who can slay giants. It's this guy to be afraid of. And so they're naturally afraid, but they make a terrible decision. And because they make this terrible decision and this guy has allowed the wrong voices in their life, they actually falsely accuse these, this envoy of David's and they do some interesting things. First of all, they cut their beard off and then they expose them in their garment on their backside. And the reason this is so interesting because I think maybe this is just men, but maybe, maybe women are this way too. I, I think my wife is probably this way. She'd rather, she'd rather be, she'd rather go down in a blaze of glory. You know what I mean? Punching it out, shooting it out, fighting it out, than to be humiliated, than to be dishonored. There's something even more mentally disturbing to a human being. And I feel like as a man, to me, it feels, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather fight and lose than to just be embarrassed and humiliated, have someone just take advantage of me. And this is what happened to these men. And these were not weak men. These were mighty men. These were people that David had prepared and trained and they were ready for anything. But these men had been taken advantage of. They weren't there to fight. They weren't there to go to war. They were there to offer comfort and sympathy. And even though they were there under instruction of the king, they were following the will of the king, doing the command of the king, they still got hurt. Some of you need to understand this. Following Jesus is not a get out of hurt card. (laughs) Ask John. It's not a get out of jail card. Sometimes you're like, hey, I thought we were boys. I thought we were cousins. We come from the same family, homie. I'm your forerunner. You're not going to get me out of this prison. No. That's where you're going to end your life. That's where your calling ends. And sometimes if you're not careful, that's why Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. Because following Jesus is going to take you to some places in his will that cause you to get hurt. It's not that he hurts you. It's just that you are following him. You are loving him and you are loving people. And have you ever loved someone and not been loved back? Have you ever given and it not been given back to you? Have you ever served and they didn't serve you back? Have you ever been loyal and they weren't loyal? Doing the things you know God wants you to do, but still being taken advantage of. This is part of serving the Lord. That's why Paul would have to write in Romans, don't get back at people. And this is to church people. 
And not talking about the world. He's talking about people in the church. He's like, you're going to get hurt in church. You're going to get disappointed in church. People are going to be disloyal in church. They're not going to call you back. They're not going to shake your hand. They're not going to recognize you sometimes. And you have to make up your mind that you aren't going to let that offense keep you from what God has for you. And you definitely don't want to be taking that out on them. The funniest thing to me is when one, somebody, one of my kids or somebody will come to me and be like, man, no, they didn't talk to me. And I look at them like, did you speak to them? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, that works both ways. Somebody, this is why Christians have to be the first ones to the table to say, I'm ready to reconcile. I'm ready to turn this thing around. I'm ready to make this thing right. I'm the first one to pick up my phone. Why? Because you have been given the ministry. It's the only ministry you've been given of reconciliation. Oh, man. So these guys have been wounded emotionally. This, to some of us, I, I think this is worse than just being beaten up. I'd rather go down in a fight than be humiliated. So the beard, this is interesting because the beard in that time is different than our time. Weren't a whole lot of five o'clock shadows going on in that day, you know? Trimmed up, nice, manicured looking dudes. They were, they had beards. It was a lot like Duck Dynasty, you know what I'm saying? It was a lot like, or Eric Patton. I mean, that's... That's legit. Can you just stand up and let everybody see that beard? No, I'm just kidding. I, wouldn't do that. I won't do that to you. But that's legit. This is sad. This is like, make up your mind, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> but for them, in this day and time period, their beard was a mark of distinction, of honor, of maturity. The gray in your beard. Oh, that's a mature man. That's a grown man. Identity. Their garment would have represented their position or authority. So they would have came in this envoy and each of them would have worn a garment that would have represented what part of the kingdom they were in, who they represented, where they came from, those kind of things. And so there are going to be times when you're going to have your authority stripped from you. You're going to have your distinction, those things that you think make you honorable, those things that make you stand out, that identify you. They're going to be taken from you. And how you respond to those things being taken from you is going to determine how God can use you. It's not a matter of if you will be offended. It's just a matter of when. If you haven't been offended today, get ready. I'm probably going to offend you in the next 17 minutes. I'm known for offending from this pulpit. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 17, 1 through 2, he said, Things that cause people to stumble or offenses are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck. But I thought Jesus was a hippie and he just loved everybody. Oh, you got, <laughs> you ain't been reading the right Bible, homie. Like, He's the same yesterday forever, today and forever. He's, there, there, is, there is wrath to God. But even, here's the thing about God's wrath, is even his wrath is loving. And I want you to study that. I don't have time to talk about that because even God's wrath is love. Even God's vengeance is love. And maybe I'll 
spend a sermon and talk about that. But he says it'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So they get their feelings hurt. They're embarrassed. They're humiliated. They're getting ready to go back home. And the Bible says that David gets word that this has happened. And then he sends word back to them. And this is what David says to them in in, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 10. When David was told all of this, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 10, let's go back to verse verse 5. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. And the king said this, stay at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then come back. Think about that. David said, you need some time to heal. Before you get back here and you show up with your face all messed up and your clothes falling off, let me, let me encourage you to heal. Let me encourage you to stay still. And it's interesting where David told him to stay still. He said, stay in Jericho. The word Jericho means two things. It means moon And it also means sweet fragrance. So in other words, when when you are wounded and you are humiliated and you are embarrassed, stay sweet. Stay kind. Stay in Jericho. Stay kind until your beard grows back because you, until your beard grows back, you are going to make some very vengeful, angry, frustrated decisions. And I can't have you coming back and mingling amongst the people and taking your position back and leading in the community until you have healed properly, until your beard has grown back, until you have been so kind, it, it's, it's now a part of your nature, right? So I want you to stay in Jericho. I don't want you to get bitter. I want you to stay there until your beard grows back. And for us, it's like, yeah, I understand that, but what about them, God? Like, like my, it would be a whole lot easier for me to stay sweet if God dealt with people the way I wanted God to deal with people. Can we just be honest about that? Like, if he would do what I wanted him to do, I mean, totally, I can stay sweet, easy. I just need you to use those laser beams you got in your eyeballs to burn their eyeballs out. Because <laughs> I, I, I need to, I, I need I need retribution. I need, re- I need revenge. I need you to defend me. And, and God's like, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. And in this story, oh man, David takes care of it. If you want to know what happens, just read the rest of the chapter. David takes care of it. David's like, I'm going to put Joab on this one. Joab was a nasty dude. If you read the Old Testament, Joab is a nasty dude. He is the guy, like, if you want lots of people to die and, and, and suffer, Joab is the guy you send. And David sends Joab because David is the king, and it's the king's right and duty to defend his people. And when we step in and we do the king's business, not only is what God wanted to do thwarted, 
But now we have stepped in and we have become God. And the last thing you want to be in this life is God. And the last thing you want to be is the one who's executing judgment on people. Because here's what the Bible says about that. The way you judge others is the way you yourself are going to be judged. So if I were you, I would get out of the judgment business. Okay. All right. It's not that you can't make judgments about a person's character. You can't, but that, 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 who's going to pop their tires and who's going to burn their house down and hope their life falls apart. And that part of you that gets any joy out of when they suffer or go through something, we got to get that out of our heart. We got to get that out of our heart. Here's the thing about beards as we've, we've discovered this morning, everyone's beard doesn't grow back or in the same way. Some of y'all got some just for men in there today. Some of y'all put Rogaine on your face, you know. You're trying to get that little bald spot to grow in. And some guys, they just go to sleep and wake up and it's like a beard. And you're like, how did you do that? That's incredible. So all of these men, the command was stay until your beard grows back. Can you imagine if your beard takes a while to grow back? I mean, if yours grows back in like three weeks, you're good. But if yours take, if the beard you got took you a year to get. So not everybody's going back at the same time. This is why, com- uh, this is why comparison is ruining your life. Because the way everybody's beard grows is not the same. Everybody's process is not the same. How long it's going to require for you to do what somebody else does, it's not the same. And so what we do and what's so frustrating about social media now is you can get on and they can give you all of these tools and all of these, all of the, you know, five ways to become like me. Right, right now, for some reason, all these real estate moguls are showing up on my For You page on Instagram. So every time I go to my for you, it's this guy like, hey, all you got to do is sell 15 houses and you'll be a millionaire like me. Well, I don't even know where to start. First of all, I don't have enough money to buy another house. I'm (laughs) struggling to pay for my house. What you talking about? You know what I mean? So that doesn't work for everybody. And we live in a world that thinks if I'll just do this and do this and do this, and then we take that to the Bible and we're like, if I'll just do that and do this and do this, then God will do this. That's old covenant. And no wonder we're so frustrated with God because we're trying to relate to God through an old covenant. And he doesn't relate to us through an old covenant anymore. So for some of us, he's like, hey, your beard's still not grown in. I'd love for you to come back. I'd love to use you. I'd love to do that, but your beard hasn't grown in yet. And if I give that to you, you'll waste it. If I give that to you, you'll spoil it. If I give that to you, you won't be ready. You'll hurt them. And then that cycle of frustration and pain that's been in your family all of your life continues in you. But I'm trying to grow some stuff out of you so that when you get what I have for you, you don't lose it like everybody before you. It's easy to get your clothes back. It's hard to get your beard back. And the beard was honestly more important. The beard was that distinction. It was honor, maturity, identity. 
Sometimes we get hurt so bad and we lose that. We, we can get hurt so bad we lose our identity. We don't know who we are anymore. We don't know what this means for the rest of our life. We don't know what that failure, that, that divorce, that, that breakup, that job loss, that thing that went sideways. We don't know what that means for the rest of our life. And some of us, when we get hurt, we move too quickly. We try to get back home too quickly. We try to recover everything too quickly. And sometimes we need to allow God to let us just sit still for a little bit. So Psalm 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God. So sometimes to heal, I must be still. And many of us in the room, we've been on our way to healing, but we moved too quick and we opened up the wound and sometimes, listen to me, the infection that comes from not sitting still to let the wound heal is even worse and more dangerous than the original wound. And for some of you, your bitterness is more dangerous than what happened to you. For some of you, your anger is more dangerous than what happened to you. Offenses are going to come. Things that cause people to stumble are going to come. But be angry and sin not. And what's happening now is, yes, you were hurt. Yes, you were wounded. And yes, it was terrible. But the way you are acting now, the way you are acting out now is even worse than what happened to you. And so when you see something like that, it just doesn't, it just doesn't register. You see something like love your enemies, that just doesn't register. It's impossible. That's a nice statement. That's cool that it's in the Bible. That's one of those things that I'm just praying the grace of God covers me on, right? Just praying that love your enemies thing. I'm just praying when I get to heaven, God says grace was enough, <laughs> you know? Because I'm not going, I can't, I can't do that, God. We've got to be careful with how we respond to being hurt. Because everybody is going to get hurt. There's this, there's this incredible movie. I heard this illustration recently. There's this movie years ago that came out called Black Hawk Down. Do you remember this movie? Yeah. Black Hawk Down. And it, near the end of this movie, there's this guy, and uh, they're trying to get out of town, and uh, they, everybody's just getting shot. And this guy's been shot, and his commander looks at him, and he says, I need you to get in that truck and drive. And he looks at him, and he says, sir, I've been shot. And he looks back at him and he goes, everybody's been shot. Get in the truck and drive. And for some of you, you've been still, but you've been still way too long. Now you're starting to develop sicknesses and diseases that come with staying in the hospital longer than you're supposed to stay in the hospital. And now some of y'all, we waited for your beard to grow back, but y'all's beard looks like this. Do y'all have that picture for me back there? I don't know if they have that picture. I sent you a picture. Y'all's beard looks like this now. It's, it's grown back, but it don't look like Eric Patton's beard. It looks like that 300-year-old man right there. That's what your beard looks like now. And God's like, hey, that, that be still was a season. And what was meant to be a season has now become a cycle in your life because you didn't put an expiration date on it. And some of y'all are using the be still as an excuse. Well, I'm just not whole yet. 
I'm just not whole yet. No, you, you are choosing to hang on to your anger. By now, you should have recovered. <laughs> oh, man. You're like, well, I don't know about that, Robbie. Let me just take you to a story in John 5. Jesus goes to a man in John chapter 5 who the Bible says was a sick person. The Bible says in John 5 that there, were these, there was this place, Bethesda, where all these, these five porches were and people were hanging out, sick people were hanging out on this porch. And these porches, and every now and then there was a pool there. There, there, would, there would be an angel come down and stir the water of this pool. And if you were the first person to get into this pool, you could be healed. It's a really interesting setup. It's like a picture of the old covenant to me. It's like, a, if you will, I will. You know, if, if, you be fir- if you'll keep the law perfectly, if you can be first in. But New Testament is like, first will be last, last will be first. It's just, that's a whole thing. But so, so this guy, every time the waters get stirred, he wants to get in, but he can't get in. Now, the Bible says that around this, these porches were all kinds of sick people, including paralyzed people. And the word there in John 5, the word paralyzed is used. But I never thought about this before until just recently that this man in John chapter 5 who Jesus commands to, when he heals him, he commands him to get up, take his mat and walk. This man wasn't paralyzed. He was just sick. The Bible uses the word he had an infirmity. He wasn't paralyzed. He was sick. At best, he was weak. But he wasn't paralyzed. So no wonder when Jesus comes along after this guy's been there for 38 years, Jesus looks at him and says, hey, do you want to be made well? What a ridiculous question, right? I've been here 38 years, but it's not ridiculous if you started out with one thing and now because you've been there 38 years, you've got some other things going on. And that's what I came to tell some of you this morning is that you started out, it was just a sickness. But what was the sickness has now turned into you can't even move now. So the question is, do you want to be made well or do you just want to quote Psalm 4610 for the rest of your life? Be still and know that I'm God. If he wants me to get up, he'll come and pick me up. No, he looked at that man. He didn't pick him up. He looked at that man and said, get up. Do you want to be well? He said, get up. And in response to obedience, in obedience, the Bible says that as soon as he started to muster that ability, as soon as he started to try to get up, all of a sudden strength came to his body. And some of you, that's what God is waiting on you to do today. Just start the process of coming back. The beard is grown back in. For some of you, it's, you need to stay in Jericho for a little while, but there are a lot of you in this room today, you're, you're using Jericho as an excuse today and a place that was supposed to be temporary housing has become your permanent home. I came to tell you today, today it's time to get up off the ground. Everybody's been shot. It's time to get in the seat and drive again. It's not time to sing Jesus take the wheel. It's time for you to grab the wheel and be like, God, tell me where to go. 
That's such a ridiculous song because that's like you just get to sit on the, in the passenger seat and just God just driving you everywhere. No, that's not how it, does, that's not how it works. God's like, I gave you free will. You're driving. Are you going to listen? <laughs> Are you going to listen to me as I direct you as you drive? But I'm not going to drive this thing for you. I'm not going to drag you out of your sadness. I'm going to give you a word to get you out. But I need you to stand, to start to stand And when you start to stand, watch the strength come back into your life. Some of you are like, man, I'll wait till I get up. My beard goes back to serve. You've been, you, your beard looks like that. And you, you've not been serving for a long time. I I just need my beard to grow back and I'll, I'll, I'll give again. No, no, no. You need to, you need to start giving right now. This is good, man. Let me give you a couple things and I'll let you go. Will you stand on your feet with me? What do I do while I'm in Jericho? So if you're here and you're like in Jericho and you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying not to pay people back. I'm trying not to send evil replies to people. I'm, Psalm 23 tells us that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It says that our cup runneth over. He anoints our head with oil. I love this because some of the ways, some of the ways that God takes out his wrath or vengeance on our enemies, most of the time he's not killing them. Most of the time he will, he wants to leave them alive because his goal is that he would be able to restore and bring them home before their life is gone. It's not God's will that any should die in sin. It's not what he wants for people. So he's not just out here just like bow, 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 bow. No, he's slow to anger. He's quick in his mercy. Sometimes what God does to your enemies is he makes them watch you get blessed and he becomes so good to you that they can't help but acknowledge the goodness of God and turn to this good God because they want to eat at that table. Right? Let me give you the second thought. Sometimes you need to make peace with the fact that everyone is not at peace with you. And some of y'all are running around right now trying to make sure every situation is peaceful and it is not going to be. And sometimes you trying to get in the middle of it and make it peaceful is making it worse. Sometimes the best thing you can do is close your mouth and spend your time trying to please God and not men. This is why Paul said in Galatians 1 and 10, he said, if I was trying to win the approval of human beings, he said, I could not serve God. And some of, all, some of us, our inability to serve God, it's because we are spending so much of our tri- time trying to please people. That'll release some of you today. That'll set somebody free. So let me pray for you today. I'm gonna open up the altar and give you an opportunity if you want to, to maybe somebody in here today needs to give your life to Jesus. Maybe somebody in here today needs to just by way of walking up here to the front, you know, just saying, I, today I want to be whole. Today I'm, I'm coming back. My beard's back. I, I'm leaving Jericho. 
Maybe some of you are in the middle of Jericho right now and you just don't feel like you can leave and you need to heal a little bit longer. Our, our, our altars are open and our team would love to pray for you. But let me pray real quick. Father, we thank you. Thank you for every person in this room today. I'm praying for, first of all, for people who feel far from you. They feel alienated from you. I'm praying today that they would turn and put their faith in you, their confidence and trust in you. I'm praying for people today who are hurting right now. This is a season that has so much joy in it, but man, it can bring and remind us of so much trauma. Help us today. I'm praying for those people that you would continue to heal them. Jericho is not a life long destination. It's temporary housing. And I'm praying for those that are feeling this earth, this, this tug that they know today is the day. I got to leave Jericho today. I can't spend another day watching this pool get stirred around and worried about trying to get in this pool. I need to put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to walk forward today with confidence that he is taking care of my enemies. And that, that thing in my life might be over, but I'm not, it's not over for me. That thing is over, but it, it's not over for me. I still have a future and I still have hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, I love you. I love you. Again, the altar is open. Our prayer team would love to meet with you. God bless you. We'll see you guys soon.